This is The Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota, and I'm Pastor Joe Faldet. Today's sermon is from Judges 9, verses 22 through 57. It's entitled Unintended Consequences, and it's looking at how when Abimelech and the people of Shechem forgot to bring God into their accounting, how God brought unintended consequences upon them, how their violence continued to spiral out of control and consume them and what that means for us. May you be blessed through this. Our sermon today is going to be taken from Judges 9, verses 22 through 57. And I read in Jesus' name, Judges 9, 22 through 57. Abimelech ruled over Israel three years, and God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem. And the leaders of Shechem dealt treacherously, with Abimelech, that the violence done to the seventy sons of Jerubbaal might come, and their might come, and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother who killed them, and on the men of Shechem who strengthened his hands to kill his brothers. And the leaders of Shechem put men in ambush against him on the mountain tops, and they robbed all who passed by them along that way. And it was told to Abimelech. And Gaul, the son of Ebed, moved into Shechem with his relatives, and the leaders of Shechem put confidence in him. And they went out into the field and gathered the grapes from their vineyard and trod them and held a festival. And they went into the house of their god and ate and drank and reveled, reviled Abimelech. And Gaul, the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech and who are we of Shechem that we should serve him? Is he not the son of Jerubbaal? Is not Zebul his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. But why should we serve him? Would that, would that this people were under my hand, then I would remove Abimelech. I would say to Abimelech, increase your army and come out. Then Zebul, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gaul, the son of Ebed. His anger was kindled, and he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly, saying, Behold, Gaul, the son of Ebed, and his relatives have come to Shechem, and they are stirring up the city against you. Now therefore go by night, you and the people who are with you, and set an ambush in the field. Then in the morning, as soon as the sun is up, rise early and rush upon the city. When he and the people who are with him come out against you, you may do to them as your hand finds to do. So Abimelech and all the men who were with him rose up by night and set an ambush against Shechem in four companies. And Gaul, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entrance of the gate of the city. And Abimelech and the people who were with him rose from the ambush. And when Gaul saw the people, he said to Zebul, Look, people are coming down from the mountaintops. And Zebul said to him, You mistake the shadow of the mountains for men. And Gaul spoke again and said, Look, People are coming down from the center of the land, and one company is coming from the direction of the diviner's oak. Then Zebul said to him, Where is your mouth now, you who said, Who is Abimelech that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despised? Go out now and fight with them. And Gaul went out, to the, out at the head of the leaders of Shechem and fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled before him. And many fell wounded up to the entrance of the gate. And Abimelech lived at Aruma, and Zebul drove out Gaul and his relatives, so that they could not dwell at Shechem. On the following day, the people went out into the field, and Abimelech was told, 
He took his people and divided them into three companies and set an ambush in the fields. He looked and saw the people coming out of the city. He rose against them and killed them. Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entrance to the gates of the city, while the two companies rushed upon all who were in the field and killed them. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day. He captured the city and killed the people who were in it, and he razed the city and sold it with salt. When all the leaders of the tower of Shechem heard of it, they entered the stronghold of the house of Elbereth. Abimelech was told that all the leaders of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. And Abimelech went up to Mount Zalman, he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bundle of brushwood and took it up and laid it on his shoulder. And he said to the men who were with him, What you have seen me do, hurry and do as I have done. So every one of the people cut down his bundle and followed Abimelech. And following Abimelech, put it against the stronghold. And they set the stronghold on fire over them, so that all the people of the tower of Shechem also died, about one thousand men and women. Then Abimelech went to Thebes and encamped against Thebes and captured it. But there was a strong tower within the city, and all the men and women and all the leaders of the city fled to it and shut themselves in. And they went up to the roof of the tower, and Abimelech came to the tower and fought against it, and drew near to the tower door of the tower to burn it with fire. And a certain woman threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor-bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, lest they say of me, a woman killed him. And his young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, everyone departed to his own home. Thus God returned the evil of Abimelech, which he committed against his father in killing his seventy sons, his seventy brothers. Then God also made all the evil of the men of Shechem return on their heads, and upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbaal. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study your word, to try to apply the story into our lives, I ask that your Holy Spirit would be upon us, blessing us, guiding us, being glorified. Lord, that we might see what you do and how you work better, Lord, and that we might align ourselves with that as the, as the callings which you have given us, Lord, our vocation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as, as we get going here, um, we, we finally start to see justice come down upon Abimelech. Because Abimelech, you know, as we watched last week, Abimelech killed his brothers. Uh, Abimelech really kind of suckered the people of Shechem in. And, and they strengthened his hand against the sons of Jerubbaal. And it was, it was a bad thing. You know, 70 men killed on one stone. It, that's, that's quite a massacre. And, and so as we come to this, we see God bringing judgment. And when we start out with this, we see that Abimelech left out a very important factor. He left it out a very important variable in his equation. And that variable was God. Because Abimelech didn't know God. Had Abimelech known God, he wouldn't have done any of this stuff. He wouldn't have walked in this manner. Because we see as we start out here that God sent an evil spirit against Abimelech. Um, well, here, let me read that. And God sent, verse 22, And God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem. And the leaders of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. And so God sends this evil spirit. Now, you might be saying, hey, hey, hey wait a second. 
How is it that God has control of the evil spirits? How is it that God can send an evil spirit? Now, as a Christian, this should actually give us lots of hope and this should give us lots of comfort that God is powerful over the evil spirits. The evil spirits, although in rebellion against God, don't have the power to go against the command of God. And so when God sends the evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem so that that evil spirit will just do what he does, so that God removes his protection from Abimelech and God removes his protection from the people of Shechem. These were the people of God. God removes his protection from them and he says, evil spirit, go and do what you're going to do. Go and bring chaos, the chaos that you bring. Now, does that mean that God wants Abimelech and the people of Shechem to sin? Does that mean that God wants them to defile his name anymore? No, what that means is that God is allowing the justice or allowing, well, not really even allowing, God sent God is causing Abimelech and the people of Shechem's chickens to come home to roost. And so that's what's happening there. That's what's brewing in this situation. God is sending this evil spirit and God is bringing justice because when Abimelech killed his brothers, when the people of Shechem strengthened Abimelech's hand to kill his brothers, they brought this upon themselves. And God is sending this evil spirit now to bring justice to these people. To bring division, to cause tension in between these two people. And so when, when you're not walking in faithfulness and integrity, like we talked about last week, you bring up these problems, you bring up these dangers, you bring these things up into the lives of the people around you. And that's a terrifying, that's a scary thing. And this is one of the reasons why we don't walk in sin. Because the time will come, or the time could come, when God will finally say, no more. Your condemnation is now. And so that's what God is doing. God sent that, and God sent that evil spirit for a specific purpose. God doesn't just send evil spirits upon Christians. God sends evil spirits for a purpose, specific purposes. And that purpose is, um, sorry, that's the wrong verse. That, verse 24, that the violence done to the 70 sons of Jerubbaal might come and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them and on the men of Shechem, who strengthened his hands to kill his brothers. And so as God commands that evil spirit, go and do what you're supposed to do. Go and do what you do as an evil spirit. You go. It's for a specific purpose and it's towards a specific end. He doesn't get to do whatever he wants, but rather this evil spirit, his abilities, his providence is limited to what God wants him to do. He can only go so far. And that is to bring justice then upon Abimelech and upon the people of Shechem. He can't go further than God sets these boundaries, which is kind of crazy when you think about it because as the people of Shechem rebel against God and as Abimelech rebels against God, God says, I'm still not going to let your sins go further than you. I'm going to limit those. I'm going to limit that effect. And I'm going to bring justice. God has a specific purpose here. God's purpose is justice. And so Abimelech and the people of Shechem go deeper and deeper into their own sins. And as they go deeper and deeper into their own sins, it all crumbles. And so the method that God chose to use through this evil spirit or that this evil spirit chose to use 
was that he would cause tension. Again in verse 23. God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem. And the leaders of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. And so, so now we see treason. Now we see that the people of Shechem are not dealing faithfully with Abimelech. They didn't really want him to be leader over them. He led for three years. He was king for three years. Granted, three years is a, a fairly long time, especially if the person above you is a tyrant. And so the people of Shechem, they're starting to want to get rid of Abimelech for whatever reason. We don't know why specifically, but now we see that they're starting to deal treacherously with him. We're starting to see that, that they're, starting to, they're starting to want to throw off that yoke. They weren't walking in integrity. They didn't, we don't know exactly how this played out. But when it began, they weren't walking in integrity. They weren't walking in faithfulness. They were walking in treachery and deception. People who walk in treachery and deception, that doesn't just go away. It keeps feeding back in and it feeds back in. And so the Holy, and so this evil spirit has brought that forth. I said, well, you deal treacherously before, you can deal treacherously now. So he inflames that. It's just fascinating to see how that works. But as, as we now have seen behind the curtain, as now we have seen what's going on in the hidden realm, let's take a look at what's going on in the physical realm. How do these things play out? Well, the first thing is we start seeing this pressure build. We see a man of rash words come. We see Gaul, the son of Ebed. Now Gaul, the son of Ebed, moved into Shechem with his relatives and the leaders of Shechem put confidence in him. They didn't want Abimelech anymore. Now they started to, to put confidence in, in Gaul, the son of Ebed. They're starting to, to look to him to rule. They're starting to listen to him. They're starting to do what he wants them to do. And, and that's a dangerous thing. And he's a man of rash words because he just moves in here and he starts trying to take control and Gaul, the son of Ebed, said, verse 28, Who is Abimelech and who are we of Shechem? We of Shechem? What's he talking about? He had just moved in here. Who are we of Shechem that we should serve him? Is he not the son of Jerubbaal and is not Zebul his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. But why should we serve him? Would that this people were under my hand. Now Gaul, the funny thing is, Gaul, the son of Ebed, he is as much of an outsider, if not more, than Abimelech. And so he's got all these words. He's got the right words and he says these words. But the problem is he says these words while they're at festival. He says these words in a large public gathering. He says these words in front of Zebul. And Zebul is the leader of the city. Zebul is the general of Abimelech. He is loyal to Abimelech. And so Gaul is saying these things. And so now we've got this guy who moves in, who's got this hot head, who uses these rash words, who's boasting out in public. It doesn't turn out well. But as we see that, we see at the right time when God sends the evil spirit against the people of Shechem and against Abimelech, God sends that evil spirit against them. We see Gaul also move in and we see Gaul also starting to take charge. And so the timing is suspect. And that's often what we see. We start to see these coincidences happen as Christians. We, 
we can then ask the question, what's God up to here? What's God doing? Because as these coincidences start to line up, we see the hand of God behind the curtain. We see the curtain moving in a pattern. We start to see these patterns line up. So as Gaul, the son of Ebed, says these things, he says them in front of Zebul, and Zebul is a hot-headed man because as Zebul hears these things, he becomes angry. He doesn't see this as being boasting while someone is drunk because this is at a festival. This is the new wine festival. And I don't know specifically how long it would take for this new wine to get them drunk, but odds are they're, they're drinking something alcoholic because now the lips are a little bit moistened and loosened and um, lubricated. The, and I once heard someone call alcohol liquid courage. Uh, or liquid backbone. And so this is what we see happening. And Zebul doesn't listen to these things and say, yeah, he's just a hot-headed man. We'll deal with this later. But no, he gets angry. He starts to become frustrated. He becomes furious. Then Zebul, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gaul, the son of Ebed, and his anger was kindled. So we start to see this fire motif come in, and anger often acts as a fire. His anger was kindled and it starts to flare up and it starts to blaze up. And so God makes sure that an easily angered man hears the rash words of a boastful man. And as those things clash, the flare starts to grow. And the fire starts to come. And now Zebul doesn't, he's an, as an angry man, he doesn't just go and confront Gaul, the son of Ebed. Uh-uh. He makes a plan. And he goes and he speaks to Abimelech. And he says, you know what? You've got to get rid of this guy. You've got to get rid of this guy. And he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly. See that treachery? That treachery goes throughout all of this. All of this secretiveness, all of this confidence, all of these switching of leaders. There's always all of this like cloak and dagger sort of stuff going on. People don't, when there's treachery, you don't bring that out into the open until the plans are ripe. And he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly, saying, Behold, Gaul the son of Ebed and his relatives have come, up to, have come to Shechem, and they are stirring up the city against you. Now therefore go by night, you and the people who are with you, and set an ambush in the field. Like a brave man. Yeah, set an ambush. Then in the morning, as soon as the sun is up, rise early and rush upon the city. And when he and the people who are with him come out against you, you may do to them as your hand finds to do. So now we see the evil plans. The evil plans of Abimelech, the evil plans of Zabul, the evil plans that they might get revenge for rash words, that they might get revenge for treachery, that they might get revenge for the leaders of Shechem putting confidence in the wrong person instead of following Abimelech. They're starting to follow Zabu, or they're starting to follow Gaul, the son of Ebed. And so now we see that evil spirit at work. We see this divide growing wider and wider to the place where there is real violence coming out. Because words are the beginning. This is why we watch our words. Words are the beginning. But as words start to grow. And as boastfulness starts to grow and as arrogance starts to grow, because arrogance and boastfulness, they come from words. And if someone's boasting, they start to get tied into their arrogance because they don't want to step back from that and face the humiliation of that. So as those words grow, they turn into real physical violence. 
Because Abimelech's not dealing with this like a good leader. Abimelech's dealing with this like a brigand, like a rogue, like a mercenary. All he knows is violence. So he deals with this in violence. These are evil plans. He doesn't deal with this at any political level. He doesn't deal with this diplomatically at all. He just deals with this at the edge of the sword and he lays in an ambush. He doesn't deal with Gaul, the son of Ebed, as two equals coming against each other to really see who is the most powerful. This isn't a true competition, but rather this is an ambush. He's ambushing them because he's trying to get one up on them in the easy way. And so as we see this pressure building, we see this man of rash words come in. We see this rash-worded man using his rash words and ticking off the ruler of the city. Now we see the ruler of the city and Abimelech secretly conspiring to get rid of the competition. Because that's really all that Zabul is. Not Zabul. Gaul is. All Gaul really is, is he's just competition. Had Abimelech stepped up his game, no problem. Could have silenced this boaster easily. But instead of stepping up his game, he steps up the violence. He quiets the competition. And so then he sends his men, and he sends his men against Gaul. And so, so Gaul's just standing in the gate, and he's looking out at the, looking out at the mountains, and he's saying, hey, what's going on here? It looks like people are coming down. So Bull says, ah, your eyes are playing tricks on you. No, 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 there's more men. There's men at the diviners. Oh, there's, there's men coming from the center of the land. There's, I, I'm seeing people coming. What's going on? And so Zebul um, then just blows it open and says, hey, it looks like Abimelech and his army is coming. You were boasting about them the other night. You should go out and fight. Well, they get the leaders of Shechem together and they go out and fight. Gaul flees. Which, at this point, is this the right thing? Well, no. But this is to some degree understandable. It's Gaul versus Abimelech. And so Gaul's followers versus Abimelech and his followers. And these people now are engaged in battle and Gaul loses. And so Abimelech, what should he have done? Should have said, all right, I've won. And then win rightly and properly, but I've still won. And they should have just called it there. Gaul, you leave. Get out of here. You have no place here anymore. You now know your place and that's below me. So get out of here lest something else happens to you. And they chase him away. But Abimelech doesn't stop there. And this is important to note. That when the ball starts rolling, when that bitterness comes into someone's life, when that hatred, when that anger comes into someone's life, when that starts rolling and brewing and boiling up and over, it doesn't just go, Phew, it's okay, it's all gone. No, because now Abimelech turns his wrath against all of the people of Shechem. And this was God's plan. This is what God wanted to see because he needed to have justice done upon the people of Shechem. Because the people of Shechem, they're the ones that not only did they help Abimelech kill his brothers, but they also have now been treacherous towards their leader. And so they are starting to get into this cycle of treachery. And that needs to be stopped. And so Abimelech, as he is looking at this situation, he says, you know, Gaul wasn't, 
alone. I've got to kill all the rest of these people too. And that's what he ends up doing. He kills the people of Shechem. He kills the people of the Tower of Shechem, which theoretically is, you know, a, a neighboring uh, city, but, you know, they're basically connected, but one was more of a fortified place. The other one was just the, the outskirts, the, the city itself. And so he, when the people go out, because this is um, grape harvesting time, you know, and so the people go out and they go out to harvest. They go out to work the fields. They go out to be the farmers that they are because most of these people are farmers. Abimelech comes and kills them all. Not only does he kill them, but he also breaks down the city. He raises the city, and that's raised with a Z. And so he breaks the city down and he sows it with salt. Why do they sow it with salt? So that nothing else will grow here. This has now become a wasteland. This has become a wasteland. And so we see the anger of Abimelech growing. We see his bitterness growing. He doesn't just want to teach these people a lesson. He wants to kill them all. He wants to destroy them. He wants to despoil their land. He wants to make an example of them so that everyone will see that Abimelech is not dishonored, rebelled against. But he doesn't just stop there. Now he goes to the Tower of Shechem too. He goes to get those leaders. He goes to get those people because you know they're connected. And so we see him cut down brushwood, which is funny because that's what um, Jotham had, you know, when his curse came down, let fire come out from Abimelech. What's going on? Fire has been kindled and now fire comes out of Abimelech and it burns up the people of Shechem. The people of the Tower of Shechem get burned physically. On the following day, the people, oh no, that's verse 42. The Tower of Shechem heard of it and they entered the stronghold of the house of Elbereth. Remember, they're worshiping Baal Bereth. This is the same God, just, you know, a little bit different of a title. We've got different titles for God. And we call him God, we call him Lord. So El is just God. Baal is like the more of a personal name, the storm god. Um, Baal Bereth, the Baal of Bereth. This is the God of Bereth. And so they enter into the temple because they think the temple is going to keep him safe, keep them safe. And it doesn't. Bimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bundle of brushwood and took it up and laid it on his shoulder. And told everyone else, go do the same thing. And they set the stronghold on fire so that all the people of the Tower of Shechem also died, about 1,000 men and women. And so now we see the condemnation of God upon the people of Shechem coming through Abimelech, an evil person. God's condemnation upon the people of Shechem came through Abimelech to all of these people and Abimelech killed them all. Abimelech killed them all and this is a picture of hell. You know, those who rebel against God, those who harden their hearts against the Holy Spirit. There isn't the promise of repentance and that's a terrifying reality. Because as you harden your heart, it's harder to not harden your heart. Yeah, that's the way to say that. As you reject the Holy Spirit, the time will come when you just say, no, judgment is now. That's why we repent. Once the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, we repent right now. They lived in this for three years and they didn't repent. God said three years is enough. It's time for judgment to come. But Abimelech wasn't done. 
Abimelech wanted to continue to express his power. He wanted to continue to sow the seeds of hatred and to sow the seeds of sin. And so he goes beyond what God wanted and he starts to attack the people of Thebes. Thebes. And so as he attacks the people of Thebes, he says, hey, there's a tower here. This worked last time. But you know, it didn't work this time. Because God didn't have any beef with the people of Thebes. So when Abimelech came against the people of Thebes, when Abimelech came and they attacked the tower there and they were going to burn it as well. I think they were going to burn it as well. Then Abimelech went to Thebes and encamped against Thebes and captured it. There was a strong tower within the city and all the men and women of the leaders of the city fled to it and shut themselves in. They went up to the roof of the tower. And Abimelech came to the tower and fought against it and drew near to the tower, the door of the tower, to burn it with fire. And so Abimelech's goal is to do the same thing. Hey, this worked at the Tower of Shechem. It's going to work here at the Tower of Thebes. We're going to start at the door and we're going to smoke them out. And a certain woman threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head, crushed his skull. Upper millstone, not necessarily a big stone, but, you know, fairly heavy. You know, we're not talking some monstrous stone. We're talking enough to crush a man's skull. And so God brought justice against Abimelech. God does bring justice. God always makes sure that justice is done. Abimelech didn't just stop. He didn't stop and say, you know what, that's enough. That's enough vengeance. That's enough fear. That's enough power. That's enough. No, God brought justice. And this is why it's so important that we as, as human beings, that we as Christians, especially we as Christians, we walk in integrity, trusting God and walking in His ways. That when there's sin in our lives, that we repent, we confess it, because God is a God of justice. And Jesus paid that penalty for us, that our sins might be forgiven. Had Bimelech repented, who knows what would have happened? The people of Thebes, not the people of Thebes, but the people of Shechem, had they repented, who knows what would have happened? Because Jesus paid for those sins too. But instead of trusting God and looking to God and relying on the death of Christ, relying on the Messiah to come, they continued to walk in their own way. And justice came upon them. In this world and for eternity. So if there's sin in your life that you're not repenting of, repent. Repent now. Deal with it now. Confess it as sin. It is sin. If you are rebelling against God in any way, take a note from the book of Judges. Justice will come. Justice will come. So if there's sin in your life, come to Jesus. Repent of it right now. Turn from that sin. Turn to God. Walk in righteousness. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. We're not promised another day. Don't forget about the God variable. Don't leave God out of your plans. God is smart. God is wise. God knows all. God sees all. God is all-powerful. God knows the hidden realm as well as the visible realm. Fear God. That's the greatest lesson that I take from this story. Fear God. 
God will bring justice, and that's a terrifying reality. That's staggering. Fear God. He will bring justice. Either that justice will have fallen upon Christ or it will fall upon you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus taking our justice, taking our punishment. I pray that we would trust him, obey him, and fear you, you who are able to throw us both body and soul into hell, that we would trust you and so be terrified of our sins, of not walking with you. Lord, thank you for the promise of forgiveness if we come. I pray that we would come every time we sin, that we would come and that we would receive the forgiveness that you offer. Father, show us our sin that we might come again, come all the more for forgiveness and cleansing and grace to the glory of your name. Jesus' name, amen.